0: Welcome to the Contemplative Podcast with me, Matt Emery, and in conjunction with Contemplative Classical and Headphone Commute. We've taken a small break, but we're very happy to be back with some exciting new guests coming up over the year. And if you're new, hello and welcome. Uh, please do subscribe uh, for future podcasts. Give us a like or review if you've enjoyed, and also take a look at our previous episodes where I've had the the absolute privilege to chat to artists such as Joak Beving, Michael Price, Sebastian Plano, Hannah Pill, Edith Evanson, Luke Howard, Nanita Desai, and so many more great composers and labels too. Also I'd love to mention before we get going, two compilations titled For Ukraine Volume 1 and Volume 2. They're available now via Headphones Commute Bandcamp with 100% of proceeds being donated to International Rescue Committee which support displaced children and families with vital supplies during the crisis in Ukraine. They're both presented by Headphone Commute and curated by Holly Kniff, featuring artists such as Raichi Sakamoto, Olivia Belli, Anna Phoebe, Emily Levinace-Rouche, Helios, Nyla Hunter, Mike Lazarev, Julia Kent and so many more amazing artists. So if you're looking to purchase some amazing music and donate to a great cause, then please do check it out. Okay, so on this episode, I had the absolute privilege to chat with the super talented and lovely composer and pianist, Sophie Hutchings. We talk about learning music from a very young age the making of her latest record Echoes in the Valley and take a look back at other records she's released too. Uh, We talk about working with 1631 and Mercury KX, studios, floods, books and so much more. And as always there'll be music along the way from her records Echoes in the Valley, Scattered on the Wind and her most recent EP Pure Imagination. And we start with this beautiful piece Along the Boundary, the opener taken from her album Echoes in the Valley. So Sophie, welcome to the Contemplative Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, first things first, how how are you doing today? Like obviously, we've just been speaking. There's a, a bit of floods going on in Australia right now.
1: Yes, I'm um, lucky. I'm a good swimmer. Hey Matt, I'm <laughs> currently chatting to you in in my rubber dinghy in my lounge room. <laughs> it's 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 yeah. It's been a lot of um, tr- typically tropical Australian weather where it's very muggy summer but crazy crazy floods yeah um i don't mind a little bit of rain but this is getting far beyond my sanity levels i'll admit
0: (laughs) and you you were just saying i hope you don't mind me bringing it up but like your studio has had a tiny bit of uh sort of flooding done to it as well that's
1: a nice way of putting it yeah just picture my uh, studio with persian rugs hanging off ladders and uh yeah, just things basically hanging everywhere, except my beautiful piano happened to be off the ground dry. So, um, but every other corner is is covered in possibly every beach towel I own. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy. I don't even know. We're trying to work out how it got in, but I think it's just one of the drain pipes just got so overly kind of, I don't know all the terminology that um, the weather bureaus use for this kind of thing, but basically the water got in. Oh <laughs> and,
0: god! Um,
1: yeah, been struggling to kind of get myself creatively together in the mess. So, um, but there's been worse things happen, and, and my beautiful piano is very happy with me that I've looked after it. And yeah, okay. amazing.
0: Yeah, that's that's number one save.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, my organ, my keyboards, yeah, they're all they're all fine. All Good. the amps. Um, yeah everything's good except for just the rug, so we're happy, hey,
0: cool, and at least they they seem uh, like they you should be able to dry those,
1: yes, exactly,
0: yeah. cool, cool um well, a good place to start, maybe um growing up, maybe um talk a bit about your childhood if that's okay um has have have did you learn any other instruments apart from the piano? Has it always been the piano um yeah how what age did you start playing?
1: Well, I started playing at... a <sighs> fairly young age. I mean, I grew up in a very musically noisy household, There were four kids, my dad's a jazz musician. Um, You know, basically music and food were sort of the hub of our household. It was a central meeting place for all my father's workmates. So I sort of grew up, it was kind of like a a war zone of music, but being the youngest, um, I was kind of more like the sponge. So My dad was very biased towards jazz. So it was jazz or die, kind of as a child growing up, except my mother was a real free spirit and she loved everything. And then my older brothers were embracing very, very loud indie rock. Um, So the walls were kind of shaking on all decibels, but in different kind of worlds. And the strange thing is, is I always just gravitated towards the piano and instrumental music. I absolutely loved it. However, I mean, I was... I was introduced to a lot of the music that my brothers were listening to. Um, One of my brothers, like in my teens, he was studying fine arts. And so he was bringing home all sorts of torturously loud, crazy music. But I actually really loved it. Like I loved listening to new experimental music. But um, I I just didn't find anything that I related to. I was always writing instrumental music from a young age. Um, I did dabble. Um, we had a big, fun music room um, that had a drum kit and all sorts of things set up in it. So I guess through my etogenic teens, um, I went through a drum playing phase. Amazing. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I stuck at it, you know. When, you, when you're feeling a bit feisty and annoyed, drums are a good instrument to play. I <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if I'm not getting anywhere with a composition, you can't exactly start whacking the piano keys, can
0: you? <laughs> no, you've got to be a bit careful there. that. <laughs>
1: But, but yeah, look, piano was my first love. And we had a piano in the lounge room because my dad always used a piano for, even though he's a woodwind instrument player like and, and brass, he was always working out arrangements on the family piano. And not that I really recall, but my mother said I was always climbing up onto the piano. But my earliest recollection is climbing up on the piano and just... Um, I mean, obviously I was too young, but it was just playing a whole bunch of nonsensical kind of stuff, I guess. But I still remember the beautiful reflection of watching my hands on the, reflecting on the keyboard or the, or the back of the piano and thinking how glorious it was and pretty and, um, yeah, it I, I, I kind of was a love affair in and out of my life and still is.
0: Yeah. And I read something really interesting um, about sort of when you were younger, you had a tutor who actually encouraged composition rather than sort of mainly focus on the uh, theory side of things, which I think is really refreshing to hear. It's not often you hear that. um, And I read that she'd give you themes each week and you'd you'd write for those. Like, can you? Yeah, that's
1: really interesting that you bring that up because um, I'm not. I mean, I I guess there's two schools of thought with composers. A lot of people view music on a very mathematical level as well. Um, But that's a side that I have always struggled with. And when I first started piano, classical piano tuition, I was quite terrified because it wasn't my strength and I had a terrifying teacher. She just would get my hands. And I think there's probably a lot of classical students who could say, Oh, I had one of those teachers. She used to get my hands and just slam them down the keys when I'd get something wrong. I mean, maybe you wouldn't get away with that these days.
0: Yeah, but... I, had a, I had a ruler. Oh,
1: <laughs> thank God. I, I gave up.
0: I gave up at six and played drums for 10 years. Isn't
1: that so interesting? Well, I had the same thing. And I would go home shaking, terrified. and um, And then my mother found this teacher who i visited her i visited her not long ago actually um and yeah she has a huge place in my life because every time i went to do my amy b exams and classical tuition i would just freeze my brain would go blank it was like i don't know i used to just put up this brick wall and even when we were doing classical pieces she used to test me and she'd say okay What part are we up to? Because I would just be pretending to read the music, and she would say, okay, where are we up to? And then in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble. And I would say, oh, here? No, Uh, here. And then she started to express that, well, this is amazing that you're playing it from your heart, like it would be a five-page Chopin piece that, you know, when you're doing classical repertoire, as people would know, you would work on a certain piece for a certain period of time. And over that time, it would just sit in my muscle memory. And the funny thing is, is when I pull out my young childhood classical books, the ones that have the scribbles on them, if I put them back up on my piano, I start playing them again. It's so strange how they just stay in your muscle memory, which I think a lot of people would would relate to. But it really messed with my self-esteem learning piano. And so um, that's where I really took off she just every week would give me um, something to engage my creative artistic side which I absolutely thrived on and and that's what helped me stick at it because um, composing was far more my strength than than reading was and I had to work hard on my reading I still do I often don't use it I whenever I'm in the studio I Literally go, literally go cross-eyed looking at my own scores I throw them on the floor <laughs> so I have a, a strange way of functioning when I score and compose but I think a lot of creatives do and I definitely have a strange way myself but those early days were very imperative to making me trust my my own musical vision
0: refreshing to hear it's just uh, when I read that I was almost just like that's exactly what I needed as a youngster I I, I found it very hard to read music I I kind of exactly the same thing I'd learn it off from heart and then play it and then if there was any mistakes I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to relate to it score wise.
1: I mean I love hearing stories like that too because even sometimes when I'm scoring I I ring up my father who's an amazing musician and and say I'm stuck I don't how do I do this and how do I do that? And and then I get all beat up myself up about it. And he continually reminds me of some of the most successful musicians who could not sight read and that it doesn't matter. It's where it comes from. And yeah. the longer I do it for, the more you just learn to trust your own intuition and people who do that, it comes from a very sincere and pure place and, and you learn to be proud of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's quite a nice, uh, thing to inst- instill into children that music is a fun and should be something to love rather than reading dots on a page sometimes. Oh is, uh, absolutely yeah. yeah I'm a, I'm a massive yeah. promoter of that. Yeah sorry I just read that and I had to ask you about it. No it, it's, I'm actually it's so brilliant.
1: glad you brought it up because um yeah it's something that I used to feel a bit shy of sharing but I think it should be the opposite it should be celebrated.
0: A hundred percent yeah it's, it's, it's definitely uh yeah something people should be doing more of I think or uh teachers, anyone who's listening, I think, yeah, it's definitely uh one yeah worth thinking. And there'll about. be
1: loads of creatives out there who are saying amen to us as well. Because I think even people who have um gone down the very serious classical route. I know that um my dad always says when he came out of the conservatorium, just everything you learn throughout the window, otherwise you won't become yourself. And I think the most creative of people, whether they score their music or not, um they really become their true selves when they're not thinking and i know the best of my music is when i'm really not aware of what i'm doing and i think um most artists will agree with that that the the, the beauty lies in where they're not aware of what they're creating
0: a hundred percent a hundred percent i think uh yeah i think some of the best stuff uh you can write is when you're not thinking about it and it just literally flows in minutes and you think oh that's that's that was easy
1: yeah and you're like where did that come from why would i why was i so worried about what i was going to write and the next thing you're like oh i don't know what to do with all this i've stuck it on a hard drive and and now i don't know what to do with it
0: all (laughs) it'd be great to uh touch on uh your first album to start with uh become because that's where i first discovered your music uh there was two tracks in particular i think it was sunlight zone and untitled um, might have even back in the MySpace days that I, uh, yeah, first discovered you uh, via, and it was those two tracks in particular um, that stuck out. Like, how how is it, obviously that was released in 2010, like, how does it feel looking back, um, yeah, sort of 12 years ago? Like, do you look back on that album fondly, or I, obviously looking back sometimes you can... Uh, it's a, it's a time and a place, but yeah. How do you feel about that? Looking back now?
1: A bit of both. Like I, I kind of missed the naivety in that album. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think there's a, there's a, you capture a certain beauty in that. I didn't have as much experience with recording. So I get a little bit annoyed. Um, I'm a lot fussier and know a lot more about um, producing and recording and, and gear and processes of, of, Production and that kind of thing than I used to, but as a lot of other artists will testify, like I sometimes think some of the most beautiful recordings I hear are just in someone's bedroom. But it's not, it's not the actual sound; it's the emotion in the actual uh, piece that's brought. I'm trying to think of this Peter Broderick piece that I, that I can't think of the piece, but he's he's just done a really old school piano. It's not the best recording but that's not what matters or counts. And that's what I have to remind myself. I mean, Becalmed was a very cathartic process. Um, it was just very much, I didn't demo anything. I didn't score anything out. It was very much a process as I went along and just kept hitting the record button.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I actually did a lot of them all in straight takes, no editing, nothing. I'm a bit of a purist that way. I mean, I, I still try to do that, which is ridiculous and very <laughs> punishing. But um, yeah, it was a very organic process. And I think the more you experience, it's very easy to lose that and, and, and start to become a bit more of a control freak as to what's going on in the studio and how you want things to sound and how you envision them to sound. And, and, yeah. and that was the beauty of doing Echoes in the Valley, because that all went absolutely out the window again because i was literally in the middle of or actually i shouldn't say that people that's a very australian slang whoop-whoop is in um means in the middle of nowhere but um yeah so i think i have a lot of fond memories as to where i started in the journey and i didn't expect to be here i didn't expect it to be my career i was that album was basically because i played in a lot of other people's bands but never recorded my own music. And I thought, well, one day before I'm sitting old and grey in my rocking chair, I really should document some of the things that I've written because I was writing all through my teens. Teens, they were just bits and pieces recorded everywhere, but never shown to the world. And that was just my goal. And then it just all started moving from there. And, and gradually here I am. <laughs>
0: be great to talk about your your most recent record, uh, Echoes in the Valley. Um, I've I've read quite a bit into the sort of making of it, and obviously I, I realised that you were supposed to be in Berlin initially to be recording, and then um, change of plans, COVID hits, and obviously uh it 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 must have become an isolation record. Um, you recorded it at, was it Byron Bay hinterland? Yeah, You've
1: Sorry, have you I been? Actually-
0: no i haven't but i've uh i was looking at the pictures of like wow this is a stunning place to be and yeah i just wondered if you could tell us more about more about the making of it and obviously um yeah the the surroundings you were in recording it
1: well it's um it is extremely beautiful it's an amazing space like it's sort of um like a, a it's very tropical farmland meets ocean because you're up in the mountains so to the west is like farmland and mountains and to the east is like the tropics and the ocean so it's got this really strange mix of like mountainous soil mixed with salty sea air and balminess and but it is it's strange because um it was a bit isolated but it's different I think when you choose to be isolated I kind of wanted to uh I think with every all the turmoil that everybody was going through, I just wanted to do something completely opposite to what the world was going through. And I was privileged enough that we weren't in lockdown at the time. And this is like a 10 hour drive from where I am. I'd never been there before. I'd never met the piano. I wasn't prepared for it at all. So when I first got there, I'll be completely honest, I got a little bit frazzled. Piano was completely unconventional, beautiful space, but just not what I thought. But I took a moment and looked at the scenery and I was like, well, this was the whole idea of why you wanted to do this. You, I kind of feel like the symbolism is over this period of time with the pandemic and the stress that it's brought on humankind, I, I kind of feel like it got me thinking to how humans have this real tendency to turn to, towards more things in order to solve things in life. And with the calamitous kind of year we had, or still having, for goodness sake, um, I think we learned that where we really need to shift our focus and what's important. And so this was all about really experimenting with solace in simplicity. But And I, I, I'll, I'll admit too that it wasn't just because of COVID because I have a passion of every time I do a bit more of a layered, themed... Uh, kind of instrumental album with lots more going on. I enjoy following it up with a more down-to-earth, going back to my roots, stripped-back piano solo album, which I think can speak, there's something about space in music that I think communicates very powerfully. and, And I find both ends of the spectrum hugely enjoyable, hugely cathartic, but completely different processes. Um, and sometimes when you just have the piano, you and you. And I guess too, for me, um, I'm a very adventurous outdoors person, but then, you know, that influences my headspace. but then I'm always bringing that back into a more in studio environment. And I thought, how, how can I blend these two worlds? How can I bring this about? And I don't know if it was a stupid idea. <laughs> Um, no, I'm just kidding. It was amazing. But at first, when I first got there, I was like, oh, what, am, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> but as I sort of got myself together and looked around and started to, I mean, a lot of piano players will agree with this, that every piano has its personality. And this was a real lesson that you can make something beautiful out of it's just just learning the piano and the relationship that you're going to develop with that. And the door was open, the outside world was just mountains and my little cabin. And I just had a moment of reflection. And I thought, this is going to tell a really beautiful story. And it kind of felt like it froze a moment in time where the rest of the world was just spinning. And I still feel like this now that it it was just a very um, unique, emotional and peaceful experience. I felt like I was, without sounding too contrived, I really get affected by what's going on around the world. I think we all do. And I kind of feel like I absorbed it, took it all away, and then was kind of digesting all this turmoil and then putting it into a reflective place of peace and trying for it to come out through the music and then hand it back to the listener and say, I hope this, it, it was something I wanted to give to people and I hope that, that they could enter that place themselves of where I was. Because when I finished the recording, I spent about another three days there and um, yeah, just thinking about everything. And, and there's something special about the album that I'll always hold on to.
0: I'm sure there are just so many people <laughs> around the world that have just had such uh, crazy, crazy last couple of years, really, that it's nice for people to have something to sit and listen to and actually take them away to another space um, and just, yeah, listen, listen to something very pure.
1: Well, I guess for all us, all of us who just absolutely are obsessed with music, that's one thing that hasn't been able to be taken away from us through this period of time. It's a real anchor for us. And um And that was the thing with this moment, even with the piano, it had, you know, there was so much, the sound of the album, it's very exposed, it's very raw, it's very fragile and to me, you could almost symbolically compare that to the nature of hearing a human breathe almost and that was a reflection of the the fragility of human life through an instrument. Does that yeah, sound too too poetic. No, no, it's beautiful. It really, it really felt like that for me, and and so once I was able to lose myself in it, I I felt like it was just a very unique experience. And and as much as it was a daring experiment, it was one that I will will not regret.
0: Yeah. So the artwork for uh, Echoes in the Valley, I I believe that is uh, an actual picture of the cabin you stayed in.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was just after I finished recording. I was feeling a bit of a sigh and taking in the surroundings. Actually, that was the last day of recording the videographer came in and, and was sort of being a bit of a fly on the wall and videoing me in the in the space. And then we kind of were like, oh, we should catch the sun going down. And I was just sitting there on the on the edge of the deck and um yeah, that ca- sort of captures the mood of where I sat every night, really. Very basic, but that was the whole idea. I mean, I, I, I love sort of um, challenge my, challenging myself with, with those sort of areas. I mean, I've, I've done a lot harder, so it wasn't too bad, actually.
0: Yeah. And how long, how long were you there for recording?
1: Um, I recorded it in about two days, but I was there for five.
0: Amazing! Oh, very, yeah. very quick. Then that's quite a. Uh, yes, I thought I thought you might say at least a week or two. So it's uh, a very a quick time. Piano. So
1: yeah. I kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Just got on a roll, and um, I mean, I'd sort of sketched out the pieces before I went up, but
0: yeah,
1: um, just sort of just didn't even really record them. I just stuck them on my iPhone really, and then um, yeah, just kind of went away to it
0: yeah do you when you're when you're writing do you um I know you've got your own studio do you normally um I, I know every composer is slightly different I a lot of my ideas I just have a phone full of about idea 2021 oh,
1: and, and sometimes you go through it and I'm like what the hell was this like, <laughs> yes it's some weird name you, you I have a joke with my string players because they're always like So is this the dummy name or is this the real name? (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of my pieces in the past and I've had to learn to put a code or something next to them because then I get mixed up. I see rough chord charts and then I'm like, oh, which piece is this again? So I've gotten a lot more organised. I've taught myself to once I've actually renamed the dummy name to the actual proper name, I make sure I rub it out or put a mark next to it and things like that because, yeah, it can get very confusing, can't it? You seem like in a very similar world where you just go down a bit of a rabbit hole creating. And then before you know it, you've just got this plethora of things that you don't know. It's almost like that's more daunting than actually rewriting again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I find I have a uh, so I have a phone version and then sometimes I might mock stuff up in my studio, like in MIDI or something so you can yeah. muck around, change things and then so you have that under another name and then the final name it will change again so then you've got three different names yeah, for things, i'm getting a then...
1: lot more i've learned from my mistakes so i'm a lot more organized than i used to be
0: <laughs> yeah it's sort of funny
1: how you um you go in those processes and yeah i, I think that's the most enjoyable part it's just sort of the blank canvas stage of just being indulging the creative process and um yeah, and, and then you find that you've got all... I mean, that's the easiest part for me, but then I have to learn to start going back. And, and very rarely I do that. I did it for Scattered on the Wind, actually. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole and dove into a couple of my hard drives and was like, why did I do this? But it was <laughs> such a strange journey going through all these hard drives with pieces that I'd written that I'd totally forgotten about. And so I thought I should re-explore these, which I don't normally like doing. Once I've done them, I've done them. But then you've got all these pieces that... The world never sees again um i think we yeah. all do that
0: yeah yeah i've probably got like i'd say sort of only a very small percentage of my music ever sees the world like as i say my oh, phone i've probably got no. thousands of things and sometimes i go back and think that's quite good <laughs> no, <laughs> i don't no. even remember doing no. that
1: you sound like me i just really enjoy the writing process but then going to record you get a lot more fussy and yeah um, you sometimes just got to indulge like just embrace what the actual process is, and make that the
0: recording. Yeah, hundred percent. I remember I did a um, interview with uh, at Beving uh, quite. Uh, must have been a couple of years ago now, and um, he was saying that like there was a couple of his pieces that were literally had made it onto the record that he recorded on his phone, where they were just so couldn't beat it. And I was like, wow, that's so refreshing to hear that you know. I think
1: we people... all couldn't live without our phone these days. Hey, like sometimes because I'm a bit of an insomniac, I'll. Oh, I'll be at home and not in my studio and I've got a piano at home as well. And I'll just be up late. And unless I just quickly stick my iPhone on record, the next day it's gone. It's just that moment, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and just quickly having a bit of something to, you know, I keep some manuscript paper around and you sort of, it's like a touch and go part, isn't it? Where you're really in the moment enjoying it and then go, no, come on, you should document this. Sometimes you go, no, it's fine, I'll remember it tomorrow, and you never do. So <laughs> I just pick, pick, pick up the piano still, I've always got scrap manuscript under there and quickly hit the record button on the iPhone. And yeah, the phone's amazing for that. Yeah, I'd say that's where all my ideas begin, it's the phone. <laughs>
0: sort of Echoes in the Valley was your uh, seventh album with, uh, sorry, your seventh album, but it's, uh, uh, I think I'm right in saying your second with Mercury KX?
1: Apart from the EP, uh, what was it called, Love and Keep, that I put out last year as well. Um, yeah, my first album released with Mercury KX was Scattered on the Wind. And then yes. this was my follow up solo album and Love and Keep in the interim,
0: which I did during a
1: period of lockdown. So
0: yeah yeah how, how did you come by uh, working with them
1: um, Alex Burr um, and Keris I had a random email from them, and I was about to head off to europe and actually, Oliver introduced my music to Alex and then Alex was listening to it and Keris, who is the a r manager of Mercury KX, sent me a random email and um, so when I was on tour they caught up with me while I was over there. And um, yeah, we just had several conversations. It was, I took a bit of a long time. I mean, I've always been, I've been an independent artist for a long time. Yeah. But um, yeah, just through several conversations and it was really good meeting up with them in person and just getting to know each other and whether we're on the same page and, and things like that. And it's just a completely different learning process. And I'm always one into taking on new changes in life. Um, I think there's a lot to learn from from being on a major to being independent you just learn different
0: things and and, and before that you working um i think i'm correct in saying with 1631 yeah, yeah yeah and i still have
1: a really good relationship with dave we've got a very long working relationship so yeah
0: yeah and it... i think oh, i was
1: well, this... one of the first artists to go on 1631 actually
0: Wow, yeah, because obviously, uh, I mean, they've been sort of successfully going now for quite, uh, quite a long time. and Yeah, and there's a
1: lot of music now. But yeah, I was one of the first artists to, to release music with 1631 when they first started. So there you go.
0: Amazing. And outside of music, like you've mentioned already in your uh, saying you're quite an outdoors kind of person. Like what, what do you like to do when you're not sort of making music?
1: Oh, I love doing lots of things outside of music because sometimes Matt, I feel like pushing my piano off a cliff. So (laughs) I I really like to take creative breathers from music, and for me, um, the outdoors is definitely a reprieve. For me, I pretty much I live I live in the city, but I also live in a very um, Sydney's a, a bit of a a mishmash of city and kind of there's a lot of national parks and and wild, rugged beaches where I live. So um, within a stone's throw, you can sort of be out of civilization, which I embrace every day. Um, So I do, for someone who's quite an outgoing person, I thrive off a lot of alone time for creative headspace. So I love to, I really love to camp, the more challenging, the further away, the better I've camped um, on mountaintops, in south america india like i just love those challenging places that are so unlike our own and i absolutely love to cook and bake that's a really huge procrastination tool for me actually when i'm procrastinating about starting a new project
0: do you have any do you you have have any signature things that you that you uh Uh, yeah I, i love
1: absolutely everything but um I do like to embrace the alternative kind of baking because I've always had a really bad sweet tooth. So I, I love to experiment with sort of healthy baking treats and try to make really good versions of them that are still yummy. Um, but I, you know, weekends for me, I love getting out. I mean, my favourite place is a really good glass of wine, cooking and listening to music. And I'm in my element. So and it's it's just another creative thing, but with no not the pressure. So I love. You know, from Italian to Middle Eastern to oh, everything. I love it with a glass of wine in hand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just I couldn't mentioned- live without wine or
1: coffee. <laughs> I live for wine so that I can go to bed, and I live for coffee so that I can get up.
0: <laughs> yeah. It works well. You've got morning and night there, so uh, yeah. Uh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I love to read. I find. Books and movies are my form of escapism. I think I have a very busy brain and the only way I calm it down is from being outdoors or really indulging myself in a really good book. And because I don't sleep, well, I do sleep sometimes, but um, often I've always got a book on the go just to rest my brain and indulge in another world. I find that always has a way of exercising and and, and very inspirational when it's about other people. listening to podcasts about other people's lives yeah and movies absolutely love movies
0: I mean, we, we spoke about this uh, before, but um, like it'd be great to know if there's been any records that you've particularly enjoyed over the last year, but maybe as well, if there's any books also that you could re- recommend to listeners if there's anything that sticks Ooh. out on top of your head. As I say... Whenever you
1: ask on the spot, it's always so hard, isn't it? I'll tell you, um, my favourite album from last year, which I've absolutely milked, is um, Pharaoh, Saunders, Pharaoh Sanders and Floating Points, Promises. I just... It's just such an... Oh, celestially chaotic, beautiful album. I, I I listened to a lot of Pharaoh Sanders growing up and I'm yeah. a huge fan of him. I saw him at 80 years old, not long ago, and he's just amazing. And then when he teamed up with Floating Points, who I also am a mad fan of, I was just like, this is amazing. So I bought the vinyl. I've been listening to John Hopkins' um, music for psychedelic therapy a lot in the morning. I just yeah. float to that album. Um, oh but so much other good stuff there's just so much we're just spoiled for choice with music these days and I think the key as much as streaming there's a lot of uh, I don't know varying opinions on streaming I think if it's used in its right place and we're not just what do they call it lean back listeners and lean lean in listeners I think you need to be a lean in listener and when I when I discover an artist on streaming I, I always make a note of them and make sure I go back to listen to them rather than just listening and not knowing what I'm listening to um and books ah oh, goodness what's what have I been reading I'm just gonna say off the bat what one of my favorite books are um Donna tart The Secret History because I just read so many books and I'm forgetting what I've had <laughs> on the show. but if anyone's never read Donna Tartt she's one of the most compelling favorite authors I've ever stumbled across in the contemporary world. I, I used to list, read a lot more classic authors, which I think are really good to read. A lo- lot of old Russian authors and, yeah. uh, you know, your Albert Camus and your Herman Hess. And I think that paves the way for, for developing your reading taste. But um, now I've just always got modern authors on the go that half the time I forget their
0: names. <laughs> do, do you find uh, reading does also inspire your music at all? Do you think it it gets those juices kind of uh, flowing?
1: Um, not directly. I, I I would say almost a hundred percent yes. But I think it's like everything in the world that us strange humans are subliminally sort of. It's a visceral thing, I think. You know, it's it's you're absorbing it, and it's coming out through your music without knowing. So whether that be the outdoors whether that be a documentary you've watched, a book you're reading. I definitely sometimes stop in my tracks and find a line in a book really, really powerful and I'll put a little note next to it and that will pave the way for something with a story. But more times than often I think it's just, it's accidental, but I know that it definitely has a huge impact on what I'm thinking and feeling and then how that's digested through the music is another thing.
0: Yeah awesome and and last question is um because I, I realize it's 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 early here and it's late it's late where you are so yeah i, I do appreciate you um okay sort of... i'm a night
1: owl anyway
0: <laughs> cool have can you tell us anything more um that you can tell us about that you've got planned for uh this year
1: oh well there's definitely plans for this year it sounds a bit childish to say i can't tell you <laughs> 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 it wouldn't be as exciting, would it? Um, there, there's a few things on the burn, but um, one thing I can, I guess, tell you is World Sleep Day is coming up, and I'm really happy to be a part of that again. Um, I'm a huge advocate of World Sleep Day, being a fellow insomniac myself, and I think the way um, Universal are really promoting marrying music with lack of sleep is just so beautiful because I think music has scientifically proven to You know, you think of parents, and it's been proven that lullabies help put their children to sleep. I don't think it's really that different for adults. And um, science science proves that when humans listen to calming music, it has a huge impact on them. And um, so, and I just think there's so much awareness for mental health with so many other sort of issues. And I think sleep is one that should be just as important because I've, I've had really bad insomnia and it's, it's really great to kind of see other, it's a, it's, it's a huge problem. I'm, I'm realizing I'm not alone. And so, um, but this year I've done something kind of, I'm a very sentimental, nostalgic person. So I've gone a little bit further this time and um, I've gone and covered some of my favorite Walt Disney songs. Oh,
0: amazing. <laughs>
1: So the child in me has come out and um, it just started off with one piece that I was having a glass of wine and I think I was playing doodling around with one of the riffs because I'd seen something on YouTube and I got a little bit emotional and remembered the movie and started playing around with it and then I was like oh I might do that for World Sleep Day because I think there's a real connection that all of us relate to with Disney music don't you think like there's something we all- it, it brings out something in all of us that we have this huge nostalgic connection to, and I thought linking that to sleep might be nice that's so um, so yeah that that's coming up
0: awesome
1: I hope you like it
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm expensive <excited. laughs> uh, yeah a little that's...
1: Bit different. I'm not usually one for doing covers, and I did a cover of i got asked actually last year it wasn't my choice, although I said yes, Amazon asked me to do uh you know, a cover piece, and I went with Empire of the Sun, I did something completely different yet again. And I thought that I didn't really like doing covers. And yet I've gone ahead and done a bunch of
0: well- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, re- I'm really excited to hear those. I'm, I'm, yeah, uh... look,
1: quite Different to what you used to with me, but hopefully the Sophie signatures still somewhere in there. Um, they came from a very warm Fuzzy place in in me where, where it always comes from. It's there's always a sense of emotion and and definitely nostalgia in these pieces. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm 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 a fellow insomniac. I I I yeah, oh. I, I I really struggle. <laughs> so I, oh, I, I we, should, we should
1: start a we should although we're on different sides of the world, so we couldn't start a nightclub. Could well not, <laughs> not a not a dooft doof nightclub like an insomnia nightclub.
0: <laughs> I uh, I like it's pretty much most nights I fall asleep with my earphones in where I'm sort of uh yeah literally uh fall asleep to something so yeah, I, yeah I, might... I think
1: it's so good that um world sleep day is really connecting music with sleep because I it's it's a very powerful tool for me I use music as if I'm not writing it myself listening to other people's music for just switching off my own brain and just kind of you know, like the Brian Eno's of the world or the, or or even you go back as far as Eric Satie, who termed the furniture music term. And it's all about somehow it emotionally engages you, but it doesn't demand you. So it's there to seep around you. And so it's sinking into you and it's adjusting and altering your headspace, but it's not demanding you. And I think there's a there's something to be said for that with sleep and music it's um yeah it's it's very powerful and very beautiful amazing
0: well i think that's a great way to end like thank you thank you so much for taking the time oh, it's so yes. easy to talk to <laughs> you thank
1: so gorgeous thank you so much